0: Thank you, Laura. That was beautiful, beautiful. Those pictures were beautiful to bring back such sweet memories. Turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua, the book of Joshua. And uh, I'm going to bring a message this morning on celebrating God's wonderful things he's done for us, celebrating him and the wonderful things he's done for us. And we'll... Pick up our study in John uh, next Sunday, the Lord willing. Well, even before we read the scripture, I want to define a couple of words here. Celebrate the wonderful things the Lord has done. Wonderful, that which causes or arouses wonder. Boy, when the Lord does great things, it puts us in awe and wonder, doesn't it? And that's what the word wonderful means. Here's some synonyms for it. Excellent, great. So God has done excellent things, great things, awesome things, wondrous things, miraculous, astounding, or astonishing, amazing, astounding, and phenomenal things He has done. And so He's worthy of our praise, and we should remember those things. And then one more word, and that is the word celebrate. To observe a day, or to commemorate an event. With ceremonies or festivities. That's what this day is all about. Celebration Sunday. It's a, it's a celebration to observe a day. But to remember an event. Something God has done for us. Many things God has done for us. And we celebrate by praising the Lord. By giving thanks. By rejoicing. Singing songs. And telling of the wonderful things he has done. Now with that said. Let's go to Joshua chapter 4 and pick it up at the end of the chapter there, verse 20. Look at it with me. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. Now, he didn't pitch it like he'd pitch a softball. Uh, He laid them there, put them there, laid them there. And he spake unto the children of Israel saying when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean these stones then ye shall let your children know saying Israel came over this Jordan on dry land for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan f- from before you until we ye were Passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord that it is mighty. So one reason for these stones was so the whole world would know. The other reason stated was so the children could learn. And then the last one here and that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. The word fear means to reverence, to to submit to him, and so forth. And so this this memorial of stones is like our our celebration Sunday. It was to remind them of this great event that took place when they crossed over the Jordan. And it's for us, it is to remind us of the great event that God answered prayer in such a wonderful way and moved us here to this uh, place. So the stones were to remind them to celebrate the great things the Lord had done. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for our time together. Make it profitable. Thank you for all the years of blessings on this church. We thank you today in particular for the last 16 uh, and a couple of years prior and in answering prayer in such a wonderful way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Joshua was to replace Moses. Even just saying those words could put some stress on you. Can you imagine following in the footsteps of Moses? Moses, the great prophet, the the one who God worked so many miracles through. The one who led the children of Israel out of bondage Moses who saw God in a burning bush Moses now Joshua Moses is gone Joshua is to is to follow in his footsteps that's some pretty big shoes to fill no doubt he felt the great pressure of responsibility the great stress of leading a people Um, And so the Lord spoke to him when they got to this critical place. Now, remember, they've been 40 years since they left Egypt. Many of the people have died off, many new ones born, and they come now to the Jordan River. They move from uh, Shittim to the Jordan, which is about seven miles, and then they camp there beside the Jordan River for... Uh, three days, and there's two million people. And the Jordan River at its, at its uh, highest in the flood stages, which the scripture says was taking place here, that's uh, uh, rain waters and snow melting off of uh, Mount Hermon, and the, it, was at, it was at least 150 feet wide and 15 feet deep, and there's two million of them. And how are they going to get across? They've got cattle, they've got children, they've got elderly people, they've got big carts carrying supplies. I mean, this is a huge thing. How will they get across? And when when they're when they're here in front of the Jordan for three days, Joshua didn't know. He didn't know how they were going to get across until the Lord gave him instructions. So the Lord meets with him and tells him uh, that. If you line everybody up just right and I'm gonna work a miracle for you so this is what happened Joshua went out and told all the people the priest got the Ark of the Covenant and they carried it on the poles that the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried on and everybody else had to stay back 3,000 feet that's about Three and a half football fields, if you can imagine that in your mind. That's how far back everybody had to stay on the sides and in the back because not everybody could approach the ark. It was the, it was the, represented the very presence of God himself. God was going with them. And so they, they picture this, this setup. Now the priests are out ahead and they come to that bank, Where there's maybe 150 feet of the swollen river. And God had told them to just keep walking, and when their feet touch the water, he would roll it back. I don't know about you, but I would have kindly preferred, if I'd have been one of those priests, I'd have kindly preferred he rolled the water back the day before, you know. Or at least an hour before. But as soon as your feet touch. What if God didn't do what he said he was going to do and you walked out there and it got ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep and then over your head? But God always does what he says he's going to do, doesn't he? You can take it to the bank. If God says it, it is true and he will keep his promises. So he told them what was going to happen. So the priest, as soon as their feet touched the water, God rolled back the water and stopped it up, up the river at a place called Adam, 16 miles up the river. Not only that, the riverbed dried up so that they could walk across on it. So the priest walked across, and the people coming across as well. They had a big, wide, you know, section, 16, 16 miles to get everybody across that 150 feet of a of the River Jordan. God worked a miracle. God worked a miracle for us. And and that's what we're celebrating today. So they went across. Now he had chosen, he had given Joshua instructions. Joshua had chosen 12 men to do this. Now when everybody got across, picture this in your mind. Everybody got across. The priests are still standing in the middle. They walked right out to the middle. They stood still. Everybody else came past them and on to the other side now Joshua t- has these 12 men one from each tribe that's to go back out into the Jordan and pick up a stone not a little stone that you might throw but a big stone that you had to carry on your shoulder now think about this again all the people have crossed over we know how long it's taken it probably took a long period of time and now he tells 12 of them to go back out there. I mean, they had to really trust the Lord. I mean, well, if you, we've, we've made it through one time. Now we've got to go back out into that riverbed. But they did it. And Joshua went with them. And they each got a stone, carried it on their shoulder, carried it to a place called Gilgal, which was about seven, uh, seven eight miles away. So, and then, Mo, uh, Joshua, he built a, a monument to the Lord out of stones, 12 stones, right there in the middle of the river. Now, once the water comes back, nobody will ever see that again. But that was a personal thing he wanted to do for the Lord. The Lord could see that. And uh, that was their uh, memorial to the Lord of praise and thanksgiving for what he had done. So those men carried the stones up on the bank, and then the priest carrying the ark. They came across, and when their feet came up out of the water, the water came back, immediately flowed back, and it was over its banks again, and 150 whatever uh, feet wide. What a miracle that was. Some people have said, well, two different times there was earthquakes there around the around the uh, uh, Jordan River and it stopped the flow of the river at least two different times in history that you can find where that took place uh, and they've tried to say this wasn't really a miracle <laughs> well God could have used a natural thing like an earthquake I mean he's in charge of earthquakes too isn't he so he could have used that but, but here's, the, here's the folly of thinking there was no miracle involved and that is Uh, it was predicted before it happened. And then it happened immediately as their feet touched. They walked across on dry ground, and when their feet came out of the water, it immediately came back. If that was just a coincidence, boy, sure it did have a lot of details in it, didn't it? Of course, you and I know it was a miracle, and God did it so that the world would know, the earth would know that God's uh, (coughs) power is sovereign and so the children would know what god had done they put up the uh, stones in gilgal so they placed the stones they walked that 7 miles placed the stones there and when people saw it they would explain i don't the bible doesn't tell us this but i just wonder if every now and then people would visit those stones and the parents would tell the children of the great day when god rolled back the waters Of the Jordan well the miracle itself is like like our miracle that God answered prayer for us and those stones are like our celebration day today to tell and remember the great things God has done so we're going to look back at your screen for a moment and uh, we're going to look first at the wonderful things he has done for our church. Let me tell you the three million dollar story. You've heard it before, those of you who have been here, some of you maybe haven't. But we outgrew the facility we were in, that church building you saw in the pictures. We outgrew that and we couldn't grow any more and and we could have built one more time. We only had four acres, but once we'd built one more time we'd have been landlocked forever. And so we began to pray about what to do and share it with the congregation, the deacons, trustees, and the staff. At that time, the staff was just Harley and myself. And uh, Miss Karen was secretary then, but we were all all of the pastoral staff. And so we were seeking the Lord's will and praying. And we, we all felt like the Lord was directing us to relocate on a bigger property. And so we prayed about that and sought the Lord's will. And we found out what it would cost to build a building like we like we felt like the Lord wanted us to have, and it would cost $3 million. Well, we didn't have $3 million, obviously, and so we prayed about what to do. Uh, I talked to some of the biggest money people in North Carolina, Corey Corporation being one of them, and when I told them we wanted to, you know, we'd like to get $3 million, you know, they pretty much laughed at me and said, Preacher, preacher. There's no way you can get $3 million for these four acres. Just four acres. And I said, well, maybe not. And if, if not, then it's not God's will. We'll just stay where we are. We're just going to trust him and let it happen. Then I had the property evaluated uh, by professionals. And they said the property was worth $1.5 million, And that was commercial. Uh, and so that was the highest possible now after we i found this out it was a little discouraging and and the big the big money people uh, in in greensboro they laughed at me even a little more now because now we've got a figure that says it's worth 1.5 and we want three million so time went on and one day a man called me on on the phone and and uh, we spoke for a minute he said pastor have you ever considered selling the church and i said well we have and we've been discussing it and talking about it for about two years. He said, can I come out and look at the property? I said, yes. He came out and looked. We walked it together. And when he was about to leave, he said, well, how much are you asking? I said, we're not really asking anything because we haven't even voted to sell yet. But but what we need is $3 million. He he smiled, nodded his head and kind of you know, chuckled a little bit like the, like those other big money people did. He said, okay. So he left. Later in the week, I think that was like on a Tuesday, on a Friday, he called me back and said, Pastor, he said, we're offering you $3 million for your property. I had the phone like this. I, I put it down and covered it and said, praise the Lord. Then I put it back up and said, well, I'll have to talk to the congregation. <laughs> so the congregation voted 100% and, and everybody was happy with it. And, and then, oh, I forgot to tell you this. Here was, a, here was a stipulation I had stuck on that $3 million deal. I said, we have to stay in the building a year after we sell. Now think about think what a big deal that is. Somebody who buys that property, they want it then. They're going to put a business in there. They can't wait a year. I said, but we don't want to meet, you know, under a tent somewhere. We, we're, we want to build our building and then move out of the other building. So he, he knew that. So when he called and said, we'll offer you $3 million, he said, you can stay in your building a year as well. So we had a year. We didn't even have any property, so we started looking for property, found this beautiful piece of property here, 20 acres, had the house on it. We didn't, we didn't necessarily want a house, but as it turned out, it's been a blessing that we have it. But uh, we felt like this was the place. And so then we had people telling us, there's no way you can build a building that size and get in it by the deadline. And we said, well, whatever the Lord wants. And I did come on to the job site about every day. <laughs> Talking to the contractors and, and uh, to the general contractors and the superintendents and so forth. But one week before our year was out, we were, had our first service here at Gospel, here in our new facility. Isn't the Lord good? We really ought to celebrate the wonderful things the Lord has done. He has been so good to us. And so that is our $3 million miracle that we celebrate. And of course, as the pictures show, he's done many, many other wonderful things for us in the last 15 years and been so good to us. We praise him for that. Now, look at your screen for a moment, and let's look at some things that have happened since. Uh, average Sunday morning attendance. When I came to the church in, in 83, there was about 50 people on a Sunday morning. And by 2004, the church had grown to 233. That was our limit at the old facility. And, uh, our, and then in 2019, which was our last full year before COVID, we were averaging 377. And then in 2020, COVID hit, and it's hard to say. (laughs) We had uh, uh, Greg and myself, and Greg was looking at numbers and trying to come up with some kind of description. So here was our best description, hard to say. We had months where we didn't even come to church. And then when we came back, we were outside. And then uh, we came back in the building, and the numbers were small and started to grow a little bit and so forth. So it's hard to say about 2020, but 2021 we have a little more information in-person worship, like you're here today, 270. Now that's average. Again, that's that started out slower, and, and as COVID gets worse, numbers go down a little. COVID gets a little better, numbers pick up a little bit. We also have people now watching online regularly, and we get a, we average 36 people are. Uh, uh, computers being watched now w- you multiply by the three because in in Rockingham County and in Guilford County the average family is three so if some if a family's watching the average would be about three now this isn't this is not just views we might get a hundred views or 200 views a view just lasts I think three seconds or something like that but these are people who are watching the program The service, so that makes about 108 people. So together, that's about 178. So we're pretty close, as best we can figure, with all the COVID problems, we're just about where we were before COVID hit. God is good, isn't he? He keeps giving us handfuls on purpose, just to show us how good he is. Uh, And and then we have um, this research from Hartford Institute, and again, this is pre-COVID. So these numbers would probably change. By now, 50% of all churches in America have an average Sunday morning attendance of 75 or less. That's probably smaller now, but hopefully, prayerfully, it'll come back up. And then, 90% of all churches in America have an average Sunday morning attendance of 350 or less. So we're, depending on how you count it, if you count the online and before COVID and so forth, we're in the top 10 in, uh, in churches in America in size. Now, we're not a mega church. We don't want to be a mega church. We're not trying. We just want to reach as many people as we can. But uh, we're using this just to give you an idea. We're just barely above that uh, 350. But again, the Lord is good. He's done wonderful things for us. Uh, professions of faith, in-person worship, children's ministry, outreach, uh, VBS, funerals, When you put all that together, this year we've already had 48 professions of faith. That is 48 people who have called on Christ to be their Lord and Savior. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord is good. And then uh, members, over the last five years, uh, you see uh, those numbers there. Uh, 19 was our last year, full year before COVID. And then even in 2020, we had four new members. And then this year already, we've had nine new members. Baptisms. We've had 228 in the last 16 years. That's 14 a year. That's average. And here's the last five years, uh, uh, or the last three, and then here's the last, uh, the next two. We had eight even in the COVID 2020 year. And this year we've had 12 already, and may have others before the year is out. The Lord is good. Budget, uh, total budget, 2006. Now, why did I use 2006? That was the first full year in the new facility. Uh, it was 264000 This year it's 698000 Missions budget uh, in 2006, $61,000. And uh, this year, 145000 The Lord is good. And then here's some additional things. I've already mentioned some COVID things. We've had people saved, baptized, and all that. But here's some additional blessings during COVID. Offerings remained consistent. And I want to say again to everyone, thank you for your faithful giving. And I want to say to the Lord publicly, thank you, Lord, for meeting all of our needs. When COVID hit, we didn't know what was going to happen, but God was faithful and God's people were faithful. We praise the Lord for that. And then right in the middle of COVID, we paid off our building on 11 19, and then we burned the mortgage note on 1122 and we paid it off early 15 years instead of 20 because we took that offering that that special offering once a year on celebration Sunday and put that right on the principal so we paid it off 5 years early. So again, praise the Lord for his goodness. Now in case you were not here when we burnt that mortgage, I know You want to see pictures of that. There's Dr. Miller and myself. I'm holding that note in my hand. And there is uh, Greg. He's lighting the candle that uh, Pastor Jason is holding. Pastor Jason then lights that uh, note. And it begins to burn a little higher and a little higher until it comes apart. And then we drop it in... The uh, bowl that was prepared for it. The Lord is good, isn't he? Right in the middle of COVID. And uh, we continue to praise the Lord for his goodness. So wonderful things he's done for our church. And then think of the wonderful things he has done for all of mankind. He gives us life. He gives us an earth to live on. Air to breathe. The air you breathe every day is air that God allows us to breathe. He's given us all the things we need in life. But even more important than that, He gave us His Son on the cross. For God so loved the world, not the globe, but the people of the world. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's how much God loves us all of us, all of mankind. We ought to praise him for that, shouldn't we? Be thankful for all the blessings of life. And then the third and last thing, the wonderful things he has done for us as believers. When you trust Christ as Savior, think think with me for a moment again. Christ comes into our hearts not only to be our Lord and Savior, but to be our best friend, to help us through all of life. He comes into our heart and forgives our sin. Moves our sin as far as the east is from the west. Buries them in the depths of the sea. Puts out a sign says, no fishing. And so he forgives us. He cleanses us in his blood. He gives us a home in heaven and a promise that heaven is our home. And that promise is just as sure to happen as any of the promises in the Bible. Just like it happened for those folks in uh, coming across the Jordan. God keeps His Word. Heaven is our home, and one day we'll be there. He also gives us peace and joy along the journey and purpose in life. All these things we should celebrate. The wonderful. Remember that word, wonderful? Celebrate the wonderful, wondrous. Uh, what? Uh, miraculous. Uh, what's another one of those words we defined earlier? A what? what? Amazing. All the amazing, wonderful things He's done for us, we should celebrate. But you can't just have one blessing, one miracle in the past, and that be all that's going on, because we walk with the Lord day by day. And when the children of Israel went across Jordan, that wasn't the end of their journey. They had yet battles to fight. Right in front of them was Jericho with great, huge walls. And uh, they were not warriors, they were farmers. The only tools they had were spears and arrows and slings. Now they had this, this land to conquer in a battle. Once we get saved doesn't mean everything's going to be smooth sailing. We've got battles to fight. There's going to be problems in life. Satan's going to tempt us and, and so forth. So that was what was happening with Joshua. Excuse me. Gilgal is about seven miles from Jordan. That's where they camp. That's where they put up their stones. Another two miles is Jericho, the walled city. Now that... Joshua had crossed over the Jordan, and now I'm sure his mind was filled with, how are we going to conquer this great city of Jericho? They've got great walls. We don't have any battering rams. We don't have any of that kind of ancient warfare things to tear down walls. What are we going to do? They're two miles from that city, and he goes out by himself, No doubt, in my mind, praying, thinking about the situation. You know, and we've got problems. Sometimes that's all we can think about, isn't it? And uh, we should bring it to the Lord and think about it in His presence and mix prayer into that thinking, and I think that's what Joshua was doing. What what am I going to do? We pick up that story now in Joshua chapter 5. I hope you kept your Bibles open. Chapter 5. Look at verse 13. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn and in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? That's a pretty logical question. Are you for us or against us? And he said, Nay, or neither, but as captain of the host of the Lord's Am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What sayest my Lord unto thy servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Wow, what a scene. What a scene. This person is no doubt a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ himself. If it had just been an angel, he or she would have said what, uh, what the angel said in the book of Revelation. When John bowed down to worship, that angel said, Don't bow before me. Don't worship me. Worship the Lord and him only. So this was the Lord himself before his incarnation here on earth. And as he did on quite a few occasions in the Old Testament, he takes on a human body and appears to God's people. And this is what happens here. He does it to encourage. By the way, chapter 6 is about what this captain of the Lord's host says to Joshua. So think about it with me for a minute. Joshua's wondering what in the world he's going to do. And then this man appears. He has a sword in his hand. He says, are you for us or against us? And basically what the Lord says is, neither. I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. Jesus doesn't come to take sides. He's the sovereign of the universe. He comes to take over. A lot of times in our problems, what we're doing is trying to convince him to do what we want to be done in the problem. He comes to take over. And we should bow at his feet and worship him and be in that place of submission and say what Joshua said What would you have your servant to do? Wow, what a moment. Maybe you're facing something today. I encourage you to bow before your risen Lord. You won't have an appearance. This was an Old Testament thing. But the Lord's already promised He'd never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you every step of your journey. Bow to His Lordship and say, what would you have me to do? Trust Him. Leave it at His feet. Think about Joshua. He was so burdened with all this warfare. Now he realizes... The battle's not really mine. I don't have to make all this up. I don't have to be the great hero. The Lord, the battle is the Lord's. We'll just trust Him and move forward one step at a time. And so you and I have to learn that, and then we have to relearn it kind of over and over in life. He's continually teaching us that great principle. If you've never trusted Christ, I hope you'll do that today. If you're facing a problem, I hope you'll bow at the feet of the captain of the Lord's host and say, what would you have your servant do? Bow your heads, please, and pray with me. Father, thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Thank you again for your blessings on our church over all these years. How good you've been. We celebrate you today. Speak to us now in these next moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, please. And if you'd like to come for prayer, uh, you certainly may do so as we all sing together.